Good morning. Welcome to uh, Doc Scott Talks Revival, right? I got my little, you know, thing that's kind of like my trademark there. So I have a couple of announcements, and this is the way I want to do them old school. All right, so tomorrow, Marty Derricott from Dawsonville, um, Georgia. He's the pastor, if you don't know. Probably just saw that backwards, didn't you? Marty, I just realized my announcements don't work. So Marty Derricott from Dawsonville will be on with me tomorrow at 7 a.m. I'm going to add him in, um, and we're going to be talking about revival, of course. And then my other announcement, which you'll be able to see backwards, is Scott and Jane, that's me. We're going to be in McRae, Georgia. <laughs> I have to write backwards this next uh, next Friday on the 15th, we'll do baptism, revival, uh, revival meeting there. And then on April the 7th, we will be in, um, here in Brunswick, but we'll be at, um, Baptist Church, uh, Pastor Dwayne Attical's church. We'll be doing that there, and that'll probably be a little multi-church gathering if I know Pastor Attical. So now that Jamie, good morning, now that Jamie has helped me, um, find my seat, uh, we're available. So if you want us to come and light a fire in your area, well, we can come. Isn't that awesome? And, um, okay, so Jamie, this is the good news. I'm no longer blaming you. I, I mean, you're, you, it is your fault but um, that I found my seat and all. But um, now I'm kind of happy about it. And I repented. In fact, you were a witness. I repented and asked Jesus to give me all of his heart for uh, Brunswick and the Golden Isles, the region, the nations, whatnot, because that's what's going to be. And um, I'm expecting some pretty interesting things to start popping right now. So I'm glad you guys are joining me. I've been reading or looking at this one. By the way, if you haven't ordered Sid Ross Supernatural Bible, um, I did and got one for me and my wife, or she got it for us. Um, very good, very very good. Uh, I would recommend it highly. And and then with that book came uh, the Bible came this book, which you'll have to read backwards again, A New Era of Glory by Tim Sheets. And I just want to read the the preface, okay? Because I I only highlighted the parts that were good. Right, right, right. But I think it's a good uh, starting point today. He said, Our great God has been preparing for a glorious new era for nearly 70 years. It's not just a new season of refreshing. It is much larger than that. It is a time of entering into the greatest days in church history. By the way, I just want to say that Tim Sheets um, has read all of my thoughts that I've been sharing. So he must be very prophetic. So I'm very proud of him. But I'm going to give him credit today, and then I'll own it as my own tomorrow. And then how that works, if I talk about it three or four times, then it's my own, right? He says that um, he wrote an earlier book called Angel Armies, that the Holy Spirit had spoken to me with bold intensity. The greatest days in church history are not in your past. They are in your future, and those days are here. Okay, copyright, in case you're wondering if this was written in 1990, and it's just like a repeat of what we haven't had before, whatever. I'm being funny, of course. 
I don't know if this shirt does my hair justice. But anyway, um, essentially he's saying what we've been talking about. The greatest party is coming. It's like we are in the days for such a time as this to live out the, the greatest party that ever existed on the planet. That's why I don't worry about, I don't pray into judgments. I don't, you know, judgment took place at the cross, as my wife says, and it's, it's absolutely true. So judgments are all in the, in the cross, so we don't have to. Good morning, Marty. I just made the announcement, Marty, that you're going to be on here tomorrow with me, so that's going to be awesome. And so picking up where I left off, no other period in church history, we're talking about Tim Sheets' book called A New Era of Glory. Um, we will, will be not comparable to it. Uh, wait, no, no, no. Let me rewind that. No other period of time in church history is comparable to the age we've entered. We will see the anointings the Holy Spirit poured out over the past 2,000 years released again in this era simultaneously. Let me explain that one. What he's saying is, is that everything we've had in 2,000 years and every kind of anointing, and we've watched, you know, God kind of restore things to the church that they lose, you know, healing, prophetic, apostolic, fivefold ministry stuff. And then we kind of lose it somewhere in there. And then in the next move, God kind of reestablishes some things. But he also always introduces something new to the palate. And I think because we've lacked a lot in the fivefold ministry and the prophetic and the prophet realm, we've kind of not had something sown as deeply in seasons past as we are now. But he says that we will see the ages converge and all the different streams birthed by the Holy Spirit merge together and flow in an unstoppable mighty river through the earth. We are seeing this right now. Um, my wife and I have always been multi-stream people. You know, we, we love what goes on at Bethel Redding and so we've been a part of that stream. We've been a part of Rodney Howard Brown, you know, um, We've gotten into um, different pools and streams. I grew up in the vineyard. She grew up in YWAM. And so I'm, I'm watching these streams converge. And I'm seeing how God has really beginning to weave this tapestry because no one group has it, okay? No, no, nobody's got the corner of the market. But he's placed in the DNA of every movement and group and stream something unique to their DNA. And now those streams are merging and converging. And like I said, I think Tim's pretty prophetic because I say this all the time. I'm being funny. I'm sure he's more prophetic. Um, he says productivity and function will center, be synergized by the Holy Spirit. Um, the church will now implement new strategies soaked in wisdom and experience bathed in prayer in his presence. There has never been an era like this one. You know, my wife and I were having this discussion last night because I've been trying to run from Brunswick for, you know, six years at least. And we've already been, we've already had, we had prophetic words five years ago about revival and us being a part of that revival here. And, you know, five years later and a lot of discouragement in between as we prayed and waited and prayed and prayed and sowed and, you know, and, and wept over the city, et cetera. You know, I basically got on a different track, which again, like I said yesterday, 
If Jesus isn't capable of moving through my mixed motives, then none of us would do anything on the planet, right? And so even in what I see as a misdirect on my part, Jesus is always using that, and he's always incorporating it into the tapestry so that we are never in a place where we can have regret legitimately. Because every part of my story and your story is converging right now for such a time as this. And you're going to begin to see how all the pieces of your story, you know, I know for me, I've looked at different seasons in my life and I've, I've thought I wasted it there. I wasted it there. I wasted it there. And I lived, asked my wife, in perpetual regret. And then I would preach that we we should be living in the now with the Holy Spirit, but I was living in the past in regret. And so there was a dichotomy there in me. And, you know, my, my track took me on a doctoral program journey, etc. And I was looking at the Christian University as my next, you know, kind of launch pad. And always knowing that I was a revivalist, but always knowing, but, but thinking that that was the next logical step. And essentially it would... Um, something would converge with the revival in the generation there. Well, Jesus interrupted my path a lot. And I, my wife and I were talking. She's like, I was talking, talking to my best friend, Kent, out in California. And he says, Scott, I've been waiting for years for you to let Brunswick into your heart and just own it. And I was like, what? You, you've known this? Like, come on. He said, yeah. The Lord told me that if I would have told you this two years ago, you would have called up the devil. And he's right. I would have said, oh, get behind me, Satan, right? Here's my point. The point that I've been consistently making is that there is a grace upon grace. There is this measure of grace and anointing and power that comes in the context of revival. And in that context, mountains that have previously been immovable are cast into the sea. The mountain in me, you watch it in Dawsonville, you watch it here in Remnant, you, you watch mountains move. Why? Because revival is what God uses to wake us up and to literally like bring us back into a place of habitation with this presence, right? So if he's, a lot of things die along the way. Let's just say that. Disappointment, life, um, hurts, devastations, whatever. All of those things take and they accumulate in the soul of the church and the soul of the church goes, right? We lose things that we had two years ago, 10 years ago. We lose passion, we lose fire. And then suddenly God comes with a new wave of fire. But the thing that Tim is saying that this wave of fire isn't gonna end. It goes all the way to the end. Do you all get that? That is a very victorious eschatology. I don't care about when I get ripped from the earth. I don't care about the rest. I don't really care. Because as long as I know that it's a party to the end, it doesn't matter to me. It makes all of those arguments just really trivial for me. Because it's like, look, my job is to live in the moment with Holy Ghost till the end. That's it. Real simple job description, right? And so, Jamie, I credit it as having prophesied and got me in my seat. And, and, and that's what kind of moved me to um, coming back to the place of just owning the place that I was, that we were prophesied to impact. And, 
you know, when my wife and I were talking about it, she was like, you know, I, every time I would even remotely suggest that if revival comes to Brunswick, we might not move and go do that. And I would shut it down. And I said, true. That's because I needed to be in revival in the extra measure of the God's grace to move a mountain in my heart. The place that I got disappointed, I created a track that I believed that God wanted me to be on. Was there anything wrong with that? No, because even in my mixed motive, Jesus still redeems. Was I supposed to do the, yes, I was. But, it, but Jesus knew the hour and he knew the day that the flip of a switch inside of me would flip me from one place to another. That gives me great hope and it needs to give you great hope. Because if God could take a place that I was had my heels dug in for six years or more, right? And literally flip my heart on a dime in the context of revival and fire, what does that mean for a nation? What does that mean for a city? Don't look at anything and assume one thing by what you see. Don't assume that people are far from Jesus. Look, they're not. They're one encounter away. Don't assume that your kid that can't get off Fortnite and can't get off whatever and can't get off Supernatural TV series and all of that, don't assume that they're lost because they're not. Everybody is one encounter, one flip of the switch away from having their heart totally transformed. He is in the business. Yes, my wife said he's in the business of flipping hearts. This is what Jesus does. Jesus was not surprised by me going on this school journey that I've been on with the doctoral program, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't shocked by that. I'm sure it was actually something he wanted from me. And, and, but I got re-put in the spot where I have to trust you to use it. In other words, everything he gives me, I can't make an assumption about what that thing he's given me is about. Because the minute I start making assumptions about why I'm doing what I'm doing, I become religious. I become the one who is blind. And I was saying this to Kent yesterday. I said blindness, the nature of blindness, which is why I was talking about the heart is deceitful, right? It was inconceivable. A lot of my personal hurt with God through the years has been over this issue of the desires of my heart. And I take very personally when I feel like he, like those desires are being neglected. But as I walk, I realize that I don't know my own heart. I know the conglomeration of past hurts, disappointments, passions that are laden and buried in there, desires, dreams crashed, dreams resurrected, um, you name it. The conglomeration of what's in me is um, what has been informing my perception of God in, in, as it links to the desires in my heart. I say that to submit to you that I don't necessarily know it. And sometimes trust is the thing that I need to engage with. I need, I always say this is one of my old fun things. I needed an encounter to have an encounter. We're presence-oriented. We can't even figure out how to tie our shoes outside of the presence of Jesus. I mean, let's just be real. So how can I figure that I'm going to work through 
the, the things that are in my soul and let my spirit, right, be in charge and command my soul and my thinking and not the other way around. The way that that gets repaired, where I get out of my head, into my heart, and my spirit is in the driver's seat, is I have to have a mountain moved. So if there's a mountain right now, and you could put a name on it, let's just call it what it is. Mine was disappointment and unbelief, and I command that mountain to go into the sea right now. It's never returning. And so just think about the mountain and get it out. And in the context of revival, there are sovereign times, sovereign places, sovereign outpourings. And sometimes we have to find those places and be in those places at the right time to get what we need to get. I'm all about that. Let me read the rest of his little intro preface. <clears throat> he says, uh, the righteous remnant will begin to function as true heirs of Christ. This era will be marked by supernatural signs, wonders, healings, and miserable miserable, miracles, sorry, I don't know if that was Freudian, um, that will be visibly seen. Even media outlets will report what was once thought to be impossible has now happened. I love this. When Jesus starts to fill stadiums, <laughs> when Brunswick has to build a conference center because the revival is so crazy, and let me just prophesy this about Brunswick because it's true. This will be a revival Mecca on the Eastern Seaboard that will have a far-reaching impact on the entire country and around the world. And people will come from a 500 to a thousand mile radius just to come to what's going on here. And this revival in Brunswick is going to be and is marked by the unusual miracles. When you have a pool of water that everybody practically that gets in it, it gets healed of cancer. I would call that unusual. My wife and I prayed for a woman in this classroom after we came from Dawsonville and she was going to get a mastectomy and she got healed. She's healed. There's a young lady in the church at Remnant but we just, over this last thing we just did, there was a disorder in the blood. I think it was cancer. Don't quote me on it, but I'll get it right for the next thing. I'll talk to Jamie. He'll set me right. She's, she went to the doctor, it's gone. I'm talking about unusual creative miracles. It's going to be known as the burning wick. Thank you, Jamie, for that. The burning wick of the eastern seaboard where people are going to literally say, I don't know what's going on there. I don't understand it. But if you have this, you need to go there. It's what's happening in Dawsonville. I mean, come on, George is lighting up. If the first two people that Todd saw when he had a vision, the Lord said to Todd that there would be two significant miracles that are on the map in a certain amount of time that are going to happen. Lorraine is one and Jane, a rhyme, get it, was the other. Both are from Brunswick, Georgia. Come on. That's a prophetic sign, if anything, right? So he says, um, you will, um, okay, we're going to encounter in this new era, because that's what it's being called. It's a new era in Christendom now. It's not, which when you call something new, it means it's not going to look like any previous era in church has ever looked. Here's another little tidbit. One of the things that Heidi Baker said not too, too long ago 
was that Jesus told her that what he put into her in 36 years, I might get this next number wrong, he's going to give to this generation in six months or a year. The point is this, acceleration and expansion and heavenly multiplication. In other words, we are going to get things quick. And I'm going to tell you why as I close up. Um, Micah uh, 2.13, paraphrase, Messiah, the breaker, will go before them and they will break through. My wife has seen the breakthrough angel in our house twice. I can tell you that the first time it appeared, there were some things that radically changed for somebody that we know upside down, inside out, from hiddenness to an obscurity to not overnight. It also appeared not that long ago. And so if the breakthrough angel shows up, I think something's up. He says, the breaker will go before them. They will break through. We are entering days of supernatural breakthrough. We talk about breakthrough all the time. I get it. It's a word. It's almost overused in some ways. But supernatural breakthrough means that something is so laden with favor and so marked by the unusual power and presence of God. Supernatural breakthrough is the breakthrough you can't get in the natural any other way. It's the door that only God can open. Not that no man can close, but that only God can open. It's the dollars that show up in the bank account, and I don't know how it got there. It's the relationships and hearts that flip on a dime overnight. It's how a nation is flipped overnight and becomes a, a, a nation that loves Jesus, right? A nation turning in a day. That's unusual. We're entering that. Okay, um, along with the king making his stand, we will see as well that a true New Testament church will make her stand. The ecclesia and the genuine governing authority will be seen on the earth. We haven't seen ecclesia, the church rising, ascending. We have not seen that kingdom kind of rule and authority in the magnitude that we're about to see it, where things will be resolved in the courts of heaven and established on the earth, where saints on the earth will ascend and they will be a part of the, the company of those courts and the, and the church, the ecclesia. We're going to call the shots. We're not calling our own. We're going to be calling heaven's shots. And they're going to manifest on earth. They will be established in the courts of heaven. The rulings will go out through the land. And the saints and the ecclesia will walk them out. The ecclesia is, will be the governing, general governing authority. The days of pretend Christianity are over. It's a new era and a new time for reality church. There is... There is a tipping point, and this is what I was saying about, I'll tell you why. We're in the 11th hour. The beauty of the 11th hour is that every drop of blood of every saint and martyr and everything that has been sown spiritually in the last 2,000 years has created a tipping point of heaven 
where we're going to see an avalanche and tsunami of revival. It's about to explode on the planet. Jesus' math. We sow, 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 right? Which is our prayer and the things we do, you know, all the things, the people that have been martyred, all the soil. Jesus' math is that we get to come in at 11.59 and we get paid the same as the saint who shed their blood. Doesn't seem fair, doesn't seem right if you just look at it from the justice standpoint, but Jesus doesn't operate on that principle. Heavenly math and heavenly agenda is, is multiplication, exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could think or ever want or ask for. That's what kingdom math is. Kingdom math is that everything that has been sown is going to be tipped over into an accelerated generation who is going to have all of the tools on the tool belt of the kingdom wrapped and girded around their waist. And they're going to have every tool and they're going to be able to flow and walk Everyone on the planet that knows Jesus is a revival waiting to happen. And there will be some that will be lifted up for a moment and, and then come down. There'll be others. We won't even know who was on the stage 10 minutes ago. Like Todd says, nameless, faceless. Yes, because when the top dog is no longer the dog that's doing all the ministry and the people have been liberated to be a priest before God and to be a revivalist in their own right because they carry the kingdom of heaven on the inside of them. And all they ever have to do is release it when we come into that place of identity as Jesus removes the boulders and the blindness that's in the stream of my heart that have lodged themselves there, which is what revival does. It obliterates the, the, the stream and throws every boulder out and it frees me to love and respond and to be and to move and have my being and move in him. Led by the Holy Spirit, living in the now, living in this moment right now for what he wants to do right now. That's what Holy Spirit does. And that is the tipping point that is in heaven right now. So if you haven't found your seat like Jesus did when he opened the scroll, turned to the pages that talked about himself, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, and then he sat down. If you haven't found the he sat down in the Messiah's seat, find the seat that you belong in and get the backing of heaven that goes with it. Because Jesus is rapidly putting people into their seats, restoring identity, and he's pulling a generation of mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts and people of the kingdom off the shelf who've been in obscurity, who've been hidden, and he's calling those, those people are going to, many are going to emerge now. They've been reserved. They've been doing things that have been operating in part of who they are. We haven't been idle, but we haven't been in the place that we were created for, right? We haven't done the very thing like we haven't had convergence. That's the difference. 
when things begin to converge, everything that I've experienced, everything that God has sown into me, and everything that has happened, good, bad, and different, gets hit with the redemption of Jesus Christ, and it converges, and it becomes the new place and the new seat that I'm seated in to do what I do from here on out till the end as the party goes. Jesus is putting you in your seat and everything is converging right now in this day, this hour, for such a time as this. That's exciting. I know you can't tell I was a little wound up. Love you guys. See you tomorrow at 7. And Marty's going to join us from Dawsonville. I'm really excited about that because um, I am convinced that the second time that my wife and I went in the water, there wasn't just an impartation for healing for us. There was an impartation for revival. Fire in the water. Bless you guys.